Hello and welcome back to the What the Derf Show. My name is Freddie and this is... Noemi. And in this episode, we have the man. Robert H. Owen. It's crazy that he agreed to do this this interview with us. Yes, one in a million opportunity. Uh, one, one in a million chance, 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 chance of a lifetime. That's, that's, that's what the word. Is. Yeah, that's chance of a lifetime. One in a million opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> he agreed to do a Zoom call. He was in LA when we did the interview, and uh, the quality is such. His side of the conversation is on a Zoom. Yeah. And, uh, and if you don't know who he is, you're about to find out. Yeah. And Freddie interviewed him while I was at work, so I'm not in it. To, to say the least, it was it was it was a blessing. This yes. was cool, man. Yes. Really good interview. Really good man. Uh, solid man. I think somebody that we can all look up to. He had a lot of good nuggets of wisdom and advice in this podcast, and he's just real. He's just real, and that's what I was craving. I just needed somebody to be real, and who better than the man that's ran twelve Ironman? You know, marath- What are they? Marathons? He ran twelve Ironmans. He did a. Um, seven marathons and seven continents in seven days, and the dude's about to roll across the Atlantic. But we'll get into that when we get into the podcast. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie; I am a little jealous. Um, it'll be in my memoir one day. All right. Well, just how jealous I got. Enjoy the episode, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, then let's go. Let's do it. All right. Who uh? Who are you? Oh, we're going, huh? Yeah, we're going. We've already yeah. been going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, who am I? I'm a guy that's um, in process, been working on my stuff, working on my issues since I can remember. I'm a guy who um, is trying to get better. Um. I senior pastored for 25 years after being in special ops military. Uh, pastoring was not my first goal or choice. Uh, it happened. And I heard this voice say, you know, I want you to get out of the military and go work with kids that were messed up like you. So I did that. And that turned out where I had to marry them. And yeah. when I married them. Then they had babies. Pretty soon I had this, this growing church of, every kind of weirdness, you know, um, good dope smokers and wild people, and you know, just some, some really nice people and some unnice people. And, uh, yeah, as you, your your audience would know, I planted a church at the university of Nevada in Reno and became chaplain there of the university football team, basketball, baseball, and, uh, with other guys. And we did that, uh, about 25 years. So my goal was always working with young people because uh, I was a young person at one time and I yeah. remember that stuff. So anyway, that, that evolved, but it was a trip be going, you know, going into the military during Vietnam as a Christian. And, um, um, that was something because, uh, the Lord said, Hey, I want you to make every wrong in your life. Right. And I said, that's a lot of work to do. And he said, yeah, but one of them was you dodged the draft in Vietnam. Mm. And so I want you to own your lack of character. And so you dodged two from the army. Let's not tell anybody to go over the air force. And uh, <laughs> go in for, you owe me four. So I went in the military. Um, I just quit drinking. I just quit smoking weed. I just cleaned up my life of sorts. And so, I went in and the military grew me up, um, taught me to get my act together and taught me to be a leader. And then after a period of time, got out and the Lord said, work with kids. And I ended up at the university work with kids. And uh, that turned into a 25 year run. And I was always much more comfortable outside the church than in the church. Yeah. Because I felt like the church was religious. Yeah, And the church, was, they, they didn't want to deal. They want to say, oh, God will fix it. Or, you know, thank you, Jesus, you're going to heal me. And I'd say, no, you're stupid. You know, you do this stuff. That yeah. They sit. yeah. <laughs> and so I just wanted to work with people that were normal in the sense that they wanted, they wanted to be honest versus be religious, fall back on religion. I, I so, so that's kind of like a, uh, I'd say that's the season that I'm, I'm in right now. I'm 35 years old. And, um, 
and I, I love, I love the church. I love my church. And I find myself sometimes in conversations where I feel like we're, we're, we're like 80% of the way, 80% of the way of being vulnerable or honest and really not spilling that last little barrier. Like, and, and the heart of the growth to me is that last 10% that you go to sleep at night with, or, or you don't want to share with just anybody. And, and me, myself, I find myself trying to be as open as I possibly can um, with things like depression and, and, and suicide and anxiety and just, just going through it. And it seems like the, the answer for the church is to just stay on that side of like positivity and not talk about that, that area right there. Because if you just stay on the side of positivity, it's like, well, let's, let's talk about it to grow out of it. Like if you're making a mistake in the baseball field, you got to practice that. You can't just do other things better to become a better baseball team. You got to focus on your weaknesses to become whole, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. Got it. Yeah. I just, I just know that you and I and everyone listening to this, we're all messed up. We, we have issues. Yeah. And some lie and say, no, I don't. And some say, yeah, I do. And what I know and what I work with people, I say either, as I said Sunday, either you work on your issues or your issues will work on you. Yeah. Or either you deal with your issues or your issues will deal with you. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I go to guys in prison. Hey, you know, you're screwed up, you know, nah, it wasn't my fault. You know, the cops, you know, stuff. I go, you're still, you're still in denial. You've been in denial for 30 years about stuff. When are you going to own your stuff? We used to say, you know, I I had five kids. And so I did 12 straight years of diapers. (laughs) So I I got pretty, I got pretty good at lifting those legs up, you know, wiping that butt. (laughs) And so, so, you know, you put the powder in that thing and the kid will stop crying. Cause it gets red, gets sore, and he cries and cries till I think is healed. Well, you know, I, I say to adults, some of you guys never took your diapers off. You know, you, you still have your diaper on. When yeah. are you going to change your diaper and grow up? And they say, I'm not, I don't have a problem. And I say, yeah, you do. You got poop in your pants. You know, I can tell in your attitude, yeah. the way you talk, the way you talk about people, the way you respond, your anger, your blah, blah, blah. And they go, get off my case, dude. I say, we're, well, you need, you need to get fixed. And so quit being in denial. Yeah. Change your diaper, grow up. And so it's just all of us, me included, I'm still working on my stuff. And if you're, if you're confident in who you are, you can say, I got stuff. Yeah. It's a nice covering that's coming in over on top of you there. But yeah, if, it if started, it started raining over here and the, the, it's like pretty much my brother's over here, they, they put a canopy over me because they know I'm doing the interview with you. <laughs> I didn't even ask them. I was just taking the rain. I was like, I got it. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Good, good brother. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just, I just know that we can be honest with ourselves about our eating, about our relationships, about our rejection, about our failure, about our insecurities. Yeah. It, that's that's pretty much where I'm at today. I, I it's funny because I'll I'll hear you preach, Pastor Robert, and I refer to you as Pastor Robert. Um, You're because, the only one who does. <laughs> because I, I've I didn't have the best relationship with my dad. He's still alive. My mom isn't. My dad uh, uh, did the best he could, for lack of better better words, and um, and I, I didn't have the best dad, so. My mentors, the men that I look up to, well, actually, at first was kind of hard because my mom died, then I didn't have the best dad. So, you know, instinctually, I think I didn't trust men at all. And it took me a few years to to find that because my mom died when I was 17. But uh, so I've grown since, and I like to believe I have. And uh, you're you're a, a man that I've heard speak five or six times, and I'm just like, this dude... First of all, the first time I saw you or heard you, I was like, who's this guy in red sneakers? Like, I was just like, you know, he came up all black, red sneakers, didn't shout, probably has every reason to shout, but just just calm, soft-spoken, but your words yet were soft-spoken, yet just penetrated people. Uh, I think people hear a sugar-coated truth every day. And we are here for but a glimpse. 
And if we keep sugarcoating, we're going to keep getting lazier, keep getting fatter, keep getting dumber, keep getting ignorant, you know, just keep swaying to that other side of the pendulum because people are just trying to be nice. People are not trying to hurt feelings. And I think if someone was more real with me when I was younger, maybe I would have accepted it. Maybe I wouldn't have. Maybe I heard the truth when I needed to, but I think we need more truth. And I, I see this guy in red sneakers. I'm like, holy crap, this guy's this guy is just talking truth. He's being real. He's being real. And and, and I, I gravitated towards that. So what do you what do you think it is, Pastor Robert? That's uh Well, let me just say this to what you're saying. Yeah. Last question. I grew up in church and I hated it. <laughs> I didn't, yeah. I didn't I didn't like the pastors. I thought they were weak. Yeah. I thought they were I thought they were not role models. Yeah. I thought they couldn't get a real job, so they became a pastor. Ooh. So, you know, I, I did my time in my Baptist church sitting next to my mom and my dad, and I found a way to escape in high school by getting a job on the weekends. Yeah. And um lifeguarding at the beach. Anyway, I just I had the sour taste in my mouth that the Christians were just weird and um judgmental and critical. And backstabbers, they would talk about each other. They'd say, praise the Lord to each other. And they'd go talk about each other at lunch, you know, say bad things. All that stuff. And so when I got drafted into this thing of being a pastor, uh, I just said, well, I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to tell it the way it is. You don't like it? Get lost. Go find some other church, you know. And so um, it was was nice to just be real, you know, and just say, I had a tough week, you know, yeah. I didn't do real good. I cussed that guy out and uh, I shouldn't have, or, you know, that person, I, you know, just be honest with people. And then you say to people, how many have had days like that or weeks? Raise your hand. And they, they all look at each other and laugh, you know, and it was nice to not have to be religious because I wasn't in a box that I had to perform for some group to be holy. Yeah. I could just be me on a, on, I could just be me on a, on a, a trek of trying to be a better guy. And so Jesus helped me and uh, he and I became best friends and I didn't know what to do much with the church because I just didn't know what to do with the system that people want to put on you. But for you, you know, it's tough because, you, you know, you have a dad that had some issues and has some issues. Your mom dies. And so where do you go to look and who do you talk to to try to figure out what manhood is, what, yeah. what men's supposed to do and what fathering is supposed to be like. And there's a lot of a lot of us guys that have been looking a long time to say, who's the real deal? Yes. You know, I can, I can model myself after something like that. You know, yes. that's hard to do. It's hard to find. I, I think, I think, uh, so I, I, the first step for me that I had to realize really quick was that I had to, I had to deal with my insecurities, you know, and I know and talking to a lot of men now that not everybody, not everybody really does that. Uh, being able to humble yourself and and just learn from another man, you know, and it's funny, a good example. I think I just talked about it last episode, but I'm 35. And right now we just hired a, a young 19 year old um, fresh out of welding school. And uh, he showed me some tricks, you know, to, to stick welding. And and I think like 10 years ago, I would have I would have been so hard headed and and just like my ego would have just flared and and the past three weeks four weeks i've learned so much because i'm just like you know what that works man that's awesome thank you for teaching me that i'm still his mentor but it's decisions like that it it gets me it helps me be be open because i think some of the vulnerability has to being 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 able to be receptive to what you're saying not just you but any pastor or anybody anybody that's trying to motivate and and just encourage you have to be vulnerable to receive it and most aren't even i mean most maybe will receive it but then don't act on it or i'd say most won't receive it and some do receive it but don't act on it like how many people are going to go and make a difference you know um i i don't know let me just let me let me just say that for most of us on this podcast me speaking and you and everybody listening humility probably is not our strong suit no, you know it's it's not something that you're taught. Yeah, um, just go out there and be humble. Don't <laughs> get your butt kicked. Yeah. So 
there's something about as a guy learning how to learn from other guys. Yes. And, and be open to that, whether it's how to fix an engine or how to fix someone's marriage or how to, you know, make extra money on the side. I mean, if you can just, for me, I was taught, you know, the scriptures in first Peter, humble thyself under the mighty hand of God, cast your chair upon him. And in due time, he'll lift you up. Yeah. But everything started with humility. And so as a young guy, I had to just begin to learn how to be humble. Yeah. And once you get used to it though, once you do five or 10 years of, I can learn things from women. I can learn things from younger guys. I can learn things from anybody. Yeah. Um, once you get used to being humble, then it's not hard to walk in humility because you see, you see how it works and it benefits you. And so like for me, um, my kids gave me hell. I mean, they gave me fits, you know, <laughs> I had five and yeah. you know, they're in jail going, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm the pastor. And every, I just said, God, I just want to shoot myself before Sunday morning. Like <laughs> I don't want to go out there because my, yeah. my family's a mess, you know? And so I went to a guy and said, you have really good kids. Can you teach me how to have really good kids? I don't know how to do that. And I'm the, I'm the pastor. And then yeah. he, goes, he goes, I wondered when you were going to ask. Yeah. And I said, I said, you know, I don't know why they do what they do. So he said, let's read this book. Let's meet for coffee. Let's talk about it. You know, try this. And each of the five kids, of course, had their own personality and their own giftings where you'd never know they came from the same litter. And so <laughs> not one one thing didn't work on all five. Anyway, I went with this guy and I, he, you know, walked me through. This is how you have better kids. And my kids got better. Yeah. <laughs> I said, thank, thank you for saving me, you know. <laughs> and then I said to another guy, I said, hey, you got to make money. So why don't you show me how you make money? My dad never talked to me about money. Yeah. And so I make money, but I lose money, right? I don't know anything about 401ks or, you know, Roth IRAs or about investing things. And so the guy said, yeah, you know, I'll show you how to make money. So he just began to have me read stuff, listen to stuff, and do this with the the, the the dollars, the $100, the $50, the $500. Do this with this money, you know. But you won't yeah. see it for a long time. Just get rid of it. Put it over here. And all of a sudden I made money. I learned <laughs> how to buy and sell four houses. Yeah. And I almost doubled my money on each of the four houses. And so I didn't know how to do that. I went to the guy and said, how do you do that? He said, do this. Then I said, my marriage sometimes is in the toilet. Like I'm supposed to be this, this righteous guy, this pastor. And my wife and I just butt heads about how to discipline these kids. Yeah. You know, like she's, she's Miss Merciful. And I want to, I want to discipline the heck out of them. You know? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So I went to a guy who had three good kids and I said, how do you have good kids, good marriage? And that. Anyway, I got three different men, one for marriage, one for kids, one for money. I just said, teach me. And I'm in my thirties, my forties, my fifties. And guess what? I learned. Yeah. I got better. Yeah. But, but it, but it was humble yourself. Who too? An expert. Humble yourself to somebody who knows more than you. That knows more than you. You, you do that with, yeah, you're playing baseball. You humble yourself before the coach, you know, and say, I don't know how to do that play, you know? Yeah. Well, teach me. But when it gets outside of sports, you know, we just sort of get our back up and we go, Hey, I got it together. No, yeah. you don't. Everybody knows you don't. Um, I, I got to talk about how many, how many Ironmans have you done, and how how many marathons have you done? What are what are your your accolades and your, uh, I don't know, your accomplishments? Now why do you want to get Why do you want to get into all that stuff? I do because okay, because you're because you're gonna, I'm trying to segue into to what you're doing right now and to the the fund and to the row. Oh, okay. You know, because okay. because if I just go straight into that. People are gonna be like, "That's just that's crazy," you know. So I want them to know for five minutes that that you that I've been stupid a long time, <laughs> not just on this one. No, that well, you know, I think I I said it in the background when when uh, Pastor Doug was talking about it that he's either really fit or really crazy, and I said you got to be a little bit of both. I said that in the background. I didn't mean to say it out loud, but I did. But um, let's just say let's just say you know you've done a few okay. Ironmen, right. a, a few Ironmen, right? I've done 12 full Ironmans, yeah. Okay. But the fun part was, is that I have an entrepreneurial streak in me. Like, how can I make something happen out of nothing, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and so I'm one of the original Ironmen when we, all the guys showed up drinking beers, and you, I got a rented bicycle and swim trunks, baseball cap, no, no toe clips or anything on your bike. You just show up one day and 
bring your A game. And I, and I, that was back in 1980 in year number three in Honolulu. And I said to my fiance, Hey, uh, do you want to have a honeymoon in Hawaii? And she said, yeah, how are we going to pay for that? I said, oh, I know what I can do. I'm going to do this thing in Sports Illustrated, this race that they have here. And I'm going to, bunch, I'm going to dare a bunch of people to sponsor me because they all think I can't do it. And I, and, and I probably can't do it, but I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to die before I'm going to tell them that. So I went out and told people I was doing this thing in Sports Illustrated, which was the toughest physical race in the history of mankind, blah, blah, blah. That's how Sports Illustrated wrote it up. Yeah. And I said, if I, if I can pull this sucker off, you know, I'm going to get these people to pay for my bike rental and for my airline tickets and all this stuff. And your honeymoon. And then, and then I get a free honeymoon at the deal. All I got to do is finish the race. You know? And my wife, she says, you're going to do what? Three days after we're married? I said, I'm going to do this thing called this Ironman. She goes, that's, that's crazy. I said, you want to go to Hawaii or not? She said, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, I've done 12 of them since then. And, um, and then what you were referring to, I did what was called the World Marathon Challenge, which is uh, seven marathons in seven days on seven different continents. You just get on a plane, and get off, and run, and get back on a plane and run. Wow. You go to seven continents seven days in a row. The first day you do two in, two in 18 hours, and the last day you do two in 20 hours. Hmm. And then it's just flight time from Antarctic to South Africa to, to – uh, where did I go? Then Perth, Australia, then up to Dubai, and then over to Lisbon, Portugal, and then back down to Cartagena, Colombia, and then back up to Miami. Anyway, I did that um, to prove to a bunch of seniors that we choose how we age and that we have more potential in us at any age than we think we have. And so I wanted to see if I could get as strong in my 60s as I was in my 20s mm. and, and I wanted to do that because I speak an awful lot to seniors on you choose how you age yeah. and you think that these things are impossible but they're not impossible it's what's impossible is the stuff that you think about all the time Yeah, and you think like a loser and you think like your age group and so you get fat and you just act like you're 60 or 70 or 80 years old because that's you act your age. And, oh, I want to and just like accept folks. it too. People just accept that. It's accepted. Anyway, to the listeners, so I've been doing things on the edge like that for a long time. And this one is sort of crazy because, again, everybody said, you can't do that. I said, I know I can't. That's why I'm going to do it. And so I'm going to row a boat across the Atlantic Ocean on a team. Okay. And we leave. I leave the day after Thanksgiving. And we start the race, weather permitting, December 4th from the Canary Islands, which is at the bottom part of Spain. That's where Christopher Columbus launched his boat when he came to the New World from the Canaries. Anyway, we're going to go all the way across the Atlantic, 3,500 miles, 40, 50 days of rowing, three hours on, three hours off. And we'll get to Antigua in the Caribbean. And I'm doing this to raise awareness on veterans' suicide prevention issues. Yeah, One of my, one of my Navy SEAL friends just just killed himself and all of us coaches at this place called seal fit where we train special ops guys today and ladies. Um, we work with this guy, we work with this guy and he just goes home and shoots himself. And we just say, what in the world happened to him? And how come we did not know anything about it? Yeah. And he didn't tell us, he didn't talk to us about the stakes in his head from 11 deployments as a Navy SEAL master chief, which is the highest rank you can get as an enlisted guy in the Navy. So he, he topped out, did 28 years, did his, did his uh, deployments, gets out for 12 years, is a nice guy, not drinking much, uh, mellowed out. He never, though, talks about the snakes in his head. And one day he gets depressed after hanging out with us, and he just shoots himself. Yeah. So I'm going to do this sort of bizarre, wild, fun thing of rowing this boat for people to say, just like you, why are you doing that? It's because we lose 18 to 20 veterans a day to suicide. And civilian suicide is an issue, which is terrible. And the veteran suicide is terrible as well. And I think that we should be involved, for me, in Christian things. We're trying to make a difference and in non-Christian things. Because yeah. suicide is not a Christian or non-Christian issue. This guy was going to church. And Jesus never got from his heart into his head. In that, in that area that was really 
eating him up. Yeah. And so it didn't matter if he was a Christian or not. He just shot himself. So I'm, I'm rowing a boat. It'll, uh, we leave December and I'll get in somewhere around January 15th or 20th. I hope. Otherwise you'll see me floating in some, something out there with a shark coming after me. No, don't say that. Um, it's going to be great. You're going to finish. And it's going to be awesome. Thank you. Rick. And uh, so let's, let's just say, I really wanted to touch on that. Uh, I've, I've, I've dealt, I've dealt with that. And I remember I heard you preach yesterday and you were talking about how he never talked about the snakes in his head. And it's funny cause me, I'm learning not to be, and I've learned, especially the past four years, but I've learned to not be such a control freak. And I remember when I fell into this, I'm talking like deep depression. Like it was, it was affecting my physical. And I think it's because I overworked myself just big time. I, I think my chemical balance, I don't know what it was. Doctors didn't even know what it was. And I was dealing with suicide. I really was. But me being very analytical, I was good at math. I needed to figure it out. So I was just very open with it. And people looked at me like I was crazy. And when people looked at me like that, I'm just like, okay, on to the next person, to anybody that's going to listen. So I'm just like, I talked to a counselor. I talked to friends, talked to family. And uh, some listened, some didn't. But I, I needed to figure it out. And I'm, I'm, I thank God that I'm kind of like that because I think that's being open about it really helped me. What do you think it is that keeps what you said, your words, which is also true, Jesus, so he had Jesus in his heart and did not in his head. How, how do we get there? How do we make that connection? You know, the, the word, the Bible says, the word says, you know, with the renewing of the mind. And so Romans 12. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where you have to say, where are the areas in my mind that are screwed up? Yeah. That I don't think right. That they're not renewed. They're staying old. You know, I can have Jesus live in my heart and he loves me and he's forgiven me and he's trying to help me. But that 12 inches from the head and the heart's the biggest 12 inches in the world, the biggest, biggest chasm to get that truth from the heart up into the head. And then, have your head begin to go, oh, I, it needs to be healed. I'm not thinking correctly. I'm not thinking right. These emotions, this anxiety, this depression, it's, it's caused by something that I haven't tapped into yet in my mind that is leaking this fruit. This fruit is called suicide and depression. Yeah. But there's something that's not causing that. And the more that you talk about it, you ask questions about it, the more you, you, you expose to yourself that you're working on that with others have dealt with the same thing or doing or dealing with the same thing you find that there's a process where you it's not so overwhelming anymore and you can begin to get insights to what caused it to happen or when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen yeah. or who's going to help it make, make it happen you know? <laughs> yeah if I, if, I, if I hang around that person man I come up with these really bad thoughts you know <laughs> So you know that's really true because there's some people that push you to the other side of the the pendulum just because you, I don't know maybe the energies are off or the vibe is off or you just don't click but I I see that yeah yeah so I'm glad that you're open and talking about it and I would again you know find out in your area your county what are the suicide records who I mean who's killing themselves why are they killing themselves. And what have they done to get help? Yeah. And then do the research as an analytical guy so you know what you're dealing with when you're dealing with you. Mm. Yeah. Because we're all different in what triggers us in things. It's it's crazy because I, I hear that I hear that story and I'm I'm a youth leader, Pastor Robert, and uh and um it's funny because because when I hear you preach, it it it, and it some, some, every single time I feel like this grit. Like I need to do something more. I need to stop. I need to not quit. I need to stop giving up on whatever I'm giving up on. I need to try harder. I, I really do. When I'm tired, am I actually tired, or can I push a little longer? Whether it be my writing, my reading, or my physical when I'm at the gym, you know. Every time I hear you preach, I always do like a self check. Like I'm just like, can I be doing more? in a healthy manner 
And it's funny because like I'll be like, okay, I ran four miles today, but then I'm like, Pastor Robert, seventies, he's running twenty six easy. You know, he was ready to go to cross the Atlantic. So what do I need to do to keep testing myself? Everybody has their own version of testing themselves every day. Um, even if you know somebody's overweight and runs their first mile in like twenty years, that's an accomplishment. But every time I hear you preach, I'm always checking myself. What can I be doing to do more? I'm trying not to be soft with myself. And then at the same time, like there's this fine line, like, okay, I'm not trying to be soft with myself, but I do need to know my mental limits. And I think what you said and kind of what I started on, I think when it comes to the mental communication is is the key. And and you're raising money for, for the suicide for the, the veterans and 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 if there's any way for like that money just to go to like counseling and Christian counseling and just communication, because I think I started off by saying I'm a youth leader. And as a youth leader, I hear some heavy stuff. And we're talking like 11 to 18 year olds talking about some dark stuff. It's not, yeah. I, I think it's safe to say, I'm not going to say any names, but you know, there's, there's suicide. There's hatred amongst right. themselves. And I try to tell these kids, like, you're not just going to wake up one day and be an adult. You know, we need to work on this stuff now. We need to work on your affirmations, what you see in the mirror. Because psychologically, when we look in the mirror, we see something less than what other people see. Just right off the bat, we're always our own worst critic. So how do we look in the mirror and, you know, just love what we see and and, and get get over that? Like, that's kind of what I'm pushing. And um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why I said all that. Um, let me just say this. Let me hop in because you said a lot. Number one, the goal is not to just keep doing and doing and doing and pushing and pushing and pushing. You're a human being, not a human doing. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm not here to try to crack the whip to get people to be harder and do harder things, suffer more like that. That's, that's not the goal. The goal is to become whole. Mm. And wholeness comes from the inside, not from doing hard things all the time. But I'll say this, that every day I believe, if you want to talk to the Christian language here, Romans 6 and 7, all day long, uh, you should be doing something that is difficult where you take yourself on. Mm. So like, are you a slave to what? And we're all slaves to something. Food, alcohol, drugs, anger, bitterness, something. Every Everybody is a slave. And Romans chapter 8 is, you know, who will deliver me from this wretched man or woman that I am? Well, in Romans 8, you get, oh, the Lord is going to do that for you. Well, every day, there's something about, are you a slave? And... And if you are a slave, are you willing to acknowledge that you're a slave? And that if Jesus lives in your heart, you don't have to be a slave. Yeah. And if you get your head right, you can break the slavery that's in your head. Yeah. So I, I say to people, you know, what is it that you cannot stop doing? And they say, you know, smoking or eating or being angry or losing my temper, I say, okay, then let's do something every single day where you wrestle with yourself. One mm. less cigarette today, can you do that? One less donut today, can you do that? Mm. One less time to lose your temper, can you take three deep breaths and walk away oh, versus just going off? That's so, good. Or, so when people say, you made me do this, that's just emotional immaturity because no one makes you do anything. No. You choose to react in the pressure that way that's your way of dealing with it so don't blame your outbursts or your your tone of voice or your vindictive at me i didn't make you think that's how you responded to the situation that's your choice yeah now if you want a better decision then work on how do i make better decisions so i'm not a slave to my emotions yeah and i believe that every day from romans you know five verse three um, suffering produces, it says suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope and hope does not disappoint. Well, I believe that every day we're to suffer 
by taking ourselves on and resting with ourselves in the morning, in the afternoon, and the evening, where you say no to something that's not good for you. And you want to you want to do it, but you know it's not good for you. Yeah. And there's this wrestling inside that we all have of I want to do that, but it's not going to be any good for me if I do it. It's never done anything for me before. It's not going to change. And so if I say that, go there, do this, eat this, smoke this, I know it's not going to help me. So I need to wrestle with myself. Yeah. And most people want comfort and they want to be comfortable. But you can't be comfortable and be overcoming. You can't be comfortable and become victorious because before there's a victory, there's a battle. Yes. And you gotta you gotta battle inside before you get the win. You gotta overcome something before you become an overcomer. And everybody wants to be an overcomer, but doesn't want to overcome anything. Oh, that's so good. So all of us have stuff that every day when I wake up, my brain says to me, I don't want to do this. You know, I don't yeah. want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. I want to do what I want to do. I want to do what's comfortable, what I feel like. I've done all my life, what my mom was, what my dad was. I'm just going to do that. And I know inside my my, my head go, then you, you're you going to suck another day. You're just going to have a lousy day. You're just going to be bummed that you caved into your weak emotional being to just succumb and do the things you know you shouldn't be doing. So... We, yeah. we, all of us, your listeners included, we all need to wrestle and that's called suffering and no one wants to suffer. So I've just learned not to be hard on myself, but I've learned to, to say, this isn't good for me. I need to wrestle with that if I'm going to make progress in my life. What a great interview that was. Wow. <laughs> you know? How did you how did you feel initially when you started when while the the call was ringing and you were waiting for him to answer? She so was just like like this is recap everything that happened. So I hope you enjoyed that interview. Yeah. Um it was Which rather I short. A, I wasn't a part of cuz I was at work. And the best the, the best part about that interview is that the Zoom account that I have is only 40 minutes at a time. So it got cut short. Yes. Or did it because it ended on a really good point, and he only had an hour anyway, and uh, it was really good. But I do want to say that that I wanted to, I wanted to ask Robert Owens to go on the podcast. I've I've been thinking about it. It's it was something that I thought about, and I was just like, you know what? He doesn't have time for it. I kind of answered my own question that I didn't even ask, and then I was sitting at the Esquivel house, Noemi's sister's house, and I. I go, that'd be cool to get him on the podcast. And then her sister said it. And then Noemi said it, like, just ask him. And I'm just like, Ugh. you know, and then finally I, I just did. I sent him a text message and we had his number because we we're going to send him a couple pictures. And and uh, I, I bought a shirt from him for that Mark Crampton Memorial. And I wanted to advertise it for him. And I and, and we did so. We put some stuff out there. And mm -hmm. I think cumulatively it got like, you know, 1,500 views. And nice. maybe I'll try to do it again. Uh, when you say the, the word suicide and and stuff like that, the, the algorithm just, it's really hard to push something out if yeah. you're not kind of known when it has to do with uh, mental health and suicide. So I asked him, he says, yeah. And then I, I was like, oh, crap, I got to I gotta get off of work a little early. And yeah. uh, I talked to my boss, used a couple of vacation hours, and I went to the her sister's house because I don't have any reception out here where I live in the boonies to make sure that the call didn't drop. And we did the recording, and it was all good. And then it started raining. So if you heard the fumbling, it started raining mid-recording. <laughs> and her brother-in-law and two nephews got a canopy and put it over me, and I didn't care. You know, I mean, all the equipment was going to get wet and possibly ruined, but I go, I'm, I'm interviewing Robert Owens. You know, he you didn't care that it rained. He I cared, didn't care that it rained. I didn't he, care that I was getting he, wet. He cared that they brought the canopy. I out. cared that, that, that I brought the, they brought the canopy. Can, yeah. No, I mean, just said it. I don't know why I repeated it. Is there a freaking echo in here? You just want to hear the sound of your own voice. Dude. And no. And did the interview. And damn. Were you nervous? I was more nervous that I didn't know what I was doing because that was the first Zoom call that I've ever hosted. Yeah. 
I wasn't nervous to talk to him. It was very cute. He came to me nervously. Babe, uh, how do I get the Zoom? (laughs) (laughs) How do I get the Zoom? (laughs) I was like, don't worry, it's an app. We'll get it. We have his email. You can email him the link with the scheduled time, and then that's it. He just has to join. And the time was at 2 o'clock, and what time did he join? Two o'clock. Right at two o'clock. I was like, <laughs> punctual military. Super mega punctual. Can you and, imagine uh, if you wouldn't have been punctual? That would have been it for you. No, I, I was. No. You would have been like, get away. <laughs> I was in my work Never clothes, dude. I again. didn't even wash my face. I was so greasy in the interview. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, that was a good interview. I I love Robert Owens. He's a he's a really cool dude, and he tells it like it is. I really enjoyed. <laughs> When you were like, you know, gushing, like, you know, not really gushing, but, you know, tell us about all the the cool things. You know, he said, why do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Like, I was just straight like, straight up. Like, ah, ah, ah. But what I really, what I said was, was the truth. I wanted to segue into rowing across the Atlantic. And I can't just say that because if people don't know who he is, you're going to think like, what is he going to do that? You know, why didn't he just start a foot, like a, do a car wash, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, and I love when he said, uh, p- people were saying that I can't do it, and that's why I'm doing it. I'm like, dang. Yeah. That's crazy. I would love to know, because obviously it's very intense on the body, you know? Yeah. You got to know that at one point your your body's going to want to give up. But he obviously he's been in, maybe not in the same exact situations, and I don't even know what kind of training would go into that, into doing something like yeah. that. But he's done like marathons and Ironmans and stuff. And that's that's the kind of thing that's like you're gonna want to give up a couple times, you know. But but it's 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 a mind over matter. Is it your body that wants to get up, give up, or is it your mental? Isn't it crazy? No, if, no, no. Because if you our separate bodies, the two, because your body has limits, and that's why you plateau. That's what I'm I mean, yeah. you can take anabolic steroids, and you still have a plateau. You can't just keep lifting and get stronger. Your body, the human body, has a plateau. But what is the limit? And and how do you know where the limit is? And you said everybody has a. Let's just, what did you say? Has a limit? Yeah, like your body has a limit. Or not not a limit. I don't know what I said. Yeah, but that limit... I'm just saying like you, everybody's going to reach that point that's like... You said where the body wants I to give cannot. out. That's pretty yeah, much the it. Yeah, the body wants give to out. give out. Well, what if that's just death? Because the body is going to give out. The body is continually giving out. Once you reach that peak, it's gradually dying. Yeah. Like slowly dying. So what... What difference does that make? And I think that's the first obstacle you have to get over. You go, what is death? I don't care. I don't care. I'm not saying that this is this is my words, not Robert's words. But like, you got to get over that, and you push yourself because your mind's going to psych you out. Your mind doesn't want to store muscle. Like your body doesn't want to store muscle, and your mind doesn't want to go through the 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 intensity of growing. Yeah. Your body wants to maintain, wants routine. Your mind wants maintenance and, and routine. And to grow, you got to push yourself into the new. Yeah. To get somewhere you've never been, you got to do things you've never done. So who knows what the limit is? You right. know? Oh. And I, I don't know. It, it, I think it, actually you're right. I, I, I kind of get what you're saying, but it's like, it's your body, but it's your brain telling your body to stop, basically. And your brain also has to be the thing that tells it, no, you're going to keep going. That's a pretty intense thing. You know what I mean? Like, let's say you're doing, because Freddie's about to do a Spartan race. It's a 5K. Nothing uh, crazy. Okay, but it's a Spartan race. You're still going to test the limits of your body. Maybe not as intensely, but there are, it, it's a lot. It, it is a lot. 3.2 um, miles, 20 obstacles. Yes. And if you can't do the obstacle, you got to do 30 burpees. Yes. So So he's 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 getting ready for it. So let's say you were doing the 10K because we've done the 10K. 10K was crazy. That was in like the that worst was, terrain. And the, it, like the terrain, I think it goes from zero to three like little like mountain things, which is like easiest to hardest. Yeah. That one was three. Three. Red. <laughs> like the and hardest like, terrain. Let's do a 10K. 10k there yeah it was really crazy so there was a lot of the time a lot of times throughout that throughout our our journey up the mountain 
that I wanted to give up over and over again. We weren't giving up. And I knew I was like, no, we just got to keep going. And you kept saying, well, the the more we walk, the less steps we have behind us or something like that. You were just like, yeah, just like trying to encourage and stuff. So your body wants to give up. The reality is I could have done it without all that stuff in my head, but it was in my head to give up because obviously I made it to the finish line. But what is it in me that wants me to stop? No, you know? the body doesn't want to give time? up, though. The body right. isn't what wants to give up. The body is your vehicle, your vessel that your mind pushes through. Your body's going to do what you tell it to do. Exactly. The body adapts. Yeah. The body is an adaptable freaking vessel, dude. Like your body's going to do what you put your mind to and what you practice towards yeah. so it's your mind that's trying to give up yeah. and the crazy thing after after every endeavor when you get to the end reflect one thing i do is i reflect on all the times that i wanted to quit during the 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 10k i didn't want to quit you guys wanted to quit i, went with, I didn't want to quit or so, so well no nobody wanted to quit but it was hard it was hard yeah it was really hard and uh but but you got to look back on the times that you wanted to quit and you didn't quit and you got to the finish line and then you reflect and you think, what was it in me that wanted to quit? Right. What was it in me telling That's the question me? I'm asking, yeah. What was what was it in in me telling me that I can't do this? It's too much. I don't want to turn around. I'm not gonna finish. There's even a part of you that that feels like I've done enough. I did four miles of this 10K. I, I you know, that's good enough. That side of you is is a liar. It's it's yeah. it's your weakness and everybody has it. It's your weakness, it's a liar, it's your flesh, it's it's your doubt, it's your shame, it's your fear, it's all the negative things into one just scared of the new, not knowing what's going to happen if you push yourself to to the to the edge and then and then some. Yeah. So then when you get done, you look back at that and you really look at it and you say what the hell was that? Who was that? Right. Because there's there's two versions of you. There's the one that wanted to give up, and then there's the one that pushed through to the end. Mm-hmm. So what's going on? What battle is that? What internal battle is that? Yeah. And That's I think crazy. the more you overcome that weak version of yourself, the stronger your spirit is. Mm. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. I want to go back real quick to what you said about your body, how our bodies adapt. The body. It's crazy because we don't have to tell our bodies to sweat when we're hot. No, it just we don't ha- we don't we don't have to tell our bodies to shake when we're cold. Yep. But it's a just a reaction to adapt to our surroundings. Yes. And when you think about that, it's crazy. It's crazy that our bodies do that. We don't have to say, okay, right now I need to sweat because I'm hot and I need to cool myself off. We don't, it just does it. It just does it. So just it. think that. So <laughs> just, just think. Crazy. So anybody that says like, if you know anybody, and this is America, we're we're all uh, we're really unhealthy country, really unhealthy. Okay, <laughs> and you think of anybody that says I have a bad back. Well, what are you doing about it? It's not just a bad back. It's just mm-hmm. an immobile, non-trained, non-worked out, non-stretched out back. That's what it is. So if you have a bad back, do something about it. I got bad knees. Do something about it. I got weak ankles. Do something about it. Your body's going <laughs> to adapt. And this, this, I'm not talking out of my ass right here. I I popped my knee in 2018 rolling jujitsu, and the guy was a brown belt, and I got him in a tri- triangle choke, and I choked him out. That was pretty awesome because I was a white belt. <laughs> I'm not naming any names. I don't even know his name. Whatever. He might have bought a belt at the store and just wore it there. But he was a brown belt and I choked him out. And rolling with this guy, I went to the right and I popped my knee and it was swollen the next day and it wasn't good for six months. Okay. Ever since, my knee hasn't been good. I went to the doctor. They want to go through the steps of physical therapy before I even got an x-ray. And I went and they wanted to do some weird stuff and it hurt. And they wanted me to go to like Eight weeks of physical therapy before they even did an x-ray and my knee was hurting, dude. And I was just like, okay. Which, in retrospect, maybe I should have stayed through the the, the physical therapy. I don't um, know. Whatever. Yeah, you should have. So finally, I was just like, let me let me look into this. My knee was hurting. It was hurting every day. It was really hard. And wh- I was pouring concrete for the serve team one Saturday. And I had knee pads and I was, I remember this, I was leaning on one knee as I finished the concrete because my right knee hurt. Not making excuses, still poured the concrete, finished it, okay? And 
I said, let me look this up. So I find this guy, knees over toes guy. I start doing his workouts. I found this guy bearded the best you can be. Start doing his workouts. Start focusing on the knees. Start doing, they call them bulletproof knees. Start doing these mobility exercises and these stretches to get better knees and stronger knees. So before I put in the work, my knee was crap. I couldn't put my weight on it. I had to use, and what I'm talking about is like when I get on my hands and knees, if my kneecap rubbed the floor, excruciating pain, bad. Mm. So I had to lean on my left knee to get up. I could put weight on it when I was standing and running, but it would hurt if I put my weight on my kneecap. So I started doing these workouts. I mean, I'm walking backwards uphill on the the treadmill. I'm doing these crazy deep lunges. I'm doing these one-legged I don't even know what to call them. Just, just, just isolation on the knees, man. I'm doing, it's crazy. And then I, now I'm doing pistol squats because my knees are so, so healthy now and the knee pain is gone. The knee pain's gone. So nice. what did my body do in that situation? It adapted to the, the, to, to the exercises, the mobility. I, I isolated the issue and I got stronger and my knee pain's gone. I had to do something about it. Yeah. If you have back, so if there's if there's an issue, and that just you're, you just become your issue, the issue is always going to be an issue. Like your the issue isn't an issue. You're the issue. <laughs> That's crazy. That somebody needs to hear that. Somebody, the issue isn't an issue. You're the issue because you don't you don't try. You don't you don't you're you're giving up. You're giving in to the your 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 hurt, your pain, your imperfections it's like no work on it don't make excuses oh ah. so in the end your body will adapt your body will adapt to what you do that was a yeah. perfect thing that noemi said that it sweats when you're hot and it shivers when you're cold and if i've seen a guy that does like squats on his ankles like his feet the bottoms of his feet are pointing inward and he does squats because he just for two years just worked on that mobility because he had weak ankles yeah. That's the kind of people I want to gravitate to. They say, I had an issue. This is how I fixed it. This is the long, the long road of work that, that it took to fix it. That's the kind of people I want to gravitate to. Yeah. One step at a time. But going back to Robert Owens. So he is going to cross the Atlantic Ocean, <laughs> which is crazy. 3,500 miles. Wow. He's going to row... Six hours at a time till he gets there. Six hours on. I don't know how many hours off. But I have his website. If you guys wanna if you guys wanna go and uh visit his website, it is roberthamiltonowens.com. Uh when you go on there you will see a picture of him, a really good picture of him. Yeah. And um it says Robert Hamilton Owens, speaker, author, legendary adventurer. Welcome to Robert's official website. Please click below to enter his site to be taken to his legendary adventure, his next legendary adventure, the Mark Crampton Memorial Transatlantic Row. Mark Crampton was a friend of his who um, was, he's a, he was a vet. He was a Navy SEAL for 23 Navy years. Vet. Yeah. And um, he tragically ended his own life. And they had no idea that he was planning or he was going to do it. I don't know if it was planned or not, but they didn't know he was going to do it. So he's uh, doing this to raise awareness and raise some money for the, is it for the families or what is that money going to do? You know, it goes to veteran suicide awareness. So it goes into the, goes the mental to, aspect of it okay. to get them counseling, to, get them to give help. them outlets, right. to give them help. Anybody that's going Good. through it, because yeah. just think, let's just say like they, they raise money and, you know, hopefully they raise like two hundred fifty to five hundred thousand dollars. I think he's gonna raise a million dollars. I don't know what it yeah. is. He might not even be close right now. And if anybody heard that, they'd be like, "Oh, it's not even close." I think they're gonna raise a million dollars by the end of next year. I, I don't know why. I hope so. so. I, I just I feel it. I don't I don't know why, but they're going to. And let's just say there's there's attempts, you know, and not all attempts are successful. So maybe they're just cries for help. Maybe that's that's where the money can go. But I mean. You, it, it, it's it's tough because suicide and the mental issues it's it's hard because it's not our job let's just say uh you got my circle of friends 
it doesn't come naturally to take on the job of constantly checking on somebody because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. The efforts need to go. I'm not saying this isn't for the, the Mark Crampton fund. I'm just saying in general, when it comes to mental health, the efforts need to go and letting people know that not only can you talk about your emotions, we need to talk about our emotions, especially if there, there's, there's pain and hurt and trauma. Because I don't know what I don't know. And if Noemi's going through something and she does something, I'm not going to know it. But if there's some sort of effort to take away the stigma of sharing emotions and so people can break down their walls and lower their walls of vulnerability, I think that's the place that we need to be in to where people are opening up. Even if it's just to their parents or a brother or a friend anybody mm -hmm. to say hey i thought about killing myself today and i don't know what to do with this thought okay don't panic let's go to starbucks and talk it out let's go for a drive let's go get let's go get some burgers and sit in the parking lot of a target and let's talk about it yeah make it less of a taboo yes because people deal with these intrusive thoughts and and let's just yeah. say people kill themselves every day yeah. Which means there aren't just people that kill themselves and then people on the total opposite side of the pendulum just jovial as hell. There's people in the middle and there's people gravitating towards both sides. And one side is suicide. And most people don't show it. Yeah. In your workplace, you got 20, 40, 50, 100 people at church. You got 100 to 1,000 people. Not everybody's chill. Mm-hmm. If we can just be, if we can be open and people can say, Hey, I'm, this is what I'm dealing with and I don't know what to do with it. I'm not trying to put it on you. I just don't know what to do with it. Either, either we can help them out or direct them to people that can. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up with that in mind. Yeah. Uh, visit the website. If you are able, I would say, you know, make a donation, get one of those shirts and support our veterans who they've basically given their life for our freedom and no one no one everybody's like, oh thank you for your service not a lot of people think about what they go through after you know yeah the things they've seen the things they've heard the things they've had to do and they've got to come back and have a a, a quote-unquote normal life um but yeah so donate if you can and well you know what here's what i here's what we need okay for the listeners that we have for our listeners to you listeners firstly i would like to say that that i want to know i want feedback you know, usually I'm just like, leave a like and rating and yada, yada, yada. But we're doing what we do for, for a reason, for a purpose. There's a reason why we got all this equipment. I'm sitting in a room and with blankets on the wall and we're doing this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, reach out to us. Tell us what yeah. you like, what, even what you don't like that we're doing. Tell, um, tell us what you got out of this. Tell us if you think Robert Owens is crazy or if you got inspiring. something out of it. <laughs> because if if... My, if our listeners reach out and say that was a good episode, now I know which direction to go with who to get on this podcast. There's this guy that I want lined up. He lost like 200 pounds, you know, and I think that's the direction we want to go. People that have gone through some stuff and, and overcome. And another thing, the listeners that we have, the, there's the website that Noemi gave you. There's also another website called Rob Rose, the number four vets.org. Rob Rose forvets.org go to that website if every one of the listeners gave five dollars five dollars or ten you know what ten dollars ten dollars then then we could probably raise like fifteen hundred dollars just from the what the dirt so if all the listeners did yeah and, that'd be crazy and just so and just so you know the website i gave you robertHamiltonOwens.com. It has two links. One says enter official website or Robert's Next Adventure. If you click on Robert's Next Adventure, it actually takes you to the Rob uh, RobRoseForVets.org. Rob Rose okay, and cool. That, and it shows a button that says donate. So um, there's no need to visit two different sites. You can just go on that one and it's all linked on there. 
We'll also link it below uh, whatever you're listening on should be in the description so that you guys can just click on it and make it easier to find. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Sounds good. Um, shoot, I think I'm even, we're going to even sponsor it for the rest of the year. I'll commit to that. Yeah. You know, and thanks for him giving us his time because that guy's a busy man. Yes. I mean, the dude's going to train to go across the Atlantic and he's just like, yeah, I'll go on the What the Durf show. <laughs> What's a Durf? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you all for listening. And I know that I always say like and subscribe, but if you could like, subscribe, leave a rating on um, Spotify. We're still at 29 reviews yeah. and I see how many people listen to this. It's more than 29 of you. <laughs> so leave a rating of five stars to get 30 on the 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 Spotify yes. Yes. rankings. And I don't re- look at the rankings for, on Apple because re- I'm an Android guy. Reach out to us. Reach out to us and let us know what what you got out of this and what you would like to see in the future even. Yeah. Instagram, what the derf. Um, my and phone number o. is dot, just kidding. And hey. o.noemi3 on my Instagram. All right. And uh, o, o, o as in O-H. Dot a- Amy. O-M-E. Amy with an I. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good day. Because if All it ain't right. good, then why have it? Bye. Bye.